You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Houndsman XP Podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many, day, how many days a week do you spend up As much as I can, to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm, I'm out there. Join us for every heart-pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm going to hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs>
On this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast, we are going to South Louisiana once again, and Mike Colley is back on the podcast, and we're going to talk about something that I've been wanting to feature on the podcast for a long time, and that is Bulldogs. We're going to talk about pit bulls and the valuable job that they do within the hunting community and what they do for us as hunters. Mike is going to give us some insight into the history and the uses of bulldogs in that country of Louisiana. They're very commonplace and something that was pretty commonly seen around the countryside and in uh, hog hunters yards and things like that. We can't do this podcast without me addressing something that is kind of touchy and kind of controversial and and I don't know of any other breed of dog that's had so much controversy surrounding it as the American Pitbull Terrier and I'm just going to get this out of the way now I'm going to talk about the elephant in the room right up front the controversy surrounding and the stigma attached to the American Pitbull Terrier boils down to one thing and that's people this is not a breed of dog for everybody. While they do make excellent household pets and they are extremely social type dogs and they're playful and things like that, they do need boundaries. And that means people have to step in and show this special breed of dogs what those boundaries are. Too often these dogs fall in the hands of people who rescue them from pounds or whatever and they're an adult dog, they haven't had that proper socialization and they get themselves in situations over their heads. It's like this. I think it would be really cool to fly an F-16. However, if you put me in the cockpit of an F-16 with no training, no experience, it is going to be a disaster. Regardless of how cool I think it is or all other things considered, I'm just not qualified to do it. The other part of the controversy, I think, centers around the fact that these bulldogs are being asked to do a job that is extremely dangerous. And as hunters, we get labeled as heartless for taking these dogs or putting them in these situations that could get them injured or killed. Mike addresses that in this podcast, and if you hang on till the end, he is going to tell you a story about that exact situation. It's not something that's taken lightly, and we should not misunderstand or misinterpret the relationship that hunters have with their bulldogs. For me, the relationship that I have with bulldogs, including the one we have here, is I see a dog that possesses all of the things that I truly wish that I could master in my own life. A great bulldog displays courage, loyalty. It reacts to dangerous situations without hesitation. It is confident, it is focused, it is bold. Failure is not an option. And yet they can scale that back at the right time. Back at the truck, they're sitting on the tailgate and all they want is you to come over and scratch their ears, give them a pat on the head and show them some affection. In the yard, they'll play tug of war with your kids. You can throw a ball for them. They'll ride in the front of the truck. And if you don't watch, they'll try to steal a French fry or devour that cheeseburger in a single bite. Lick the grease off your face. I celebrate the American Pit Bull Terrier and the Bulldog for what it is meant to be, and that is a warrior, a warrior to be celebrated. Long live the Bulldog, and long live the men 
who use the Bulldog for its noble purpose. Mike Colley and his friends have spent a lifetime perfecting the use of Bulldogs. The Old South Dog Box is rocking, and we got to get a Bulldog in there. The Bay Up is going on. The Bulldog knows it. They're keyed up. We got to get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. Yes, ready. We are ready. And we are in Louisiana. Cajun country. Huh? What is it? Cajun country. Cajun country. That's right. That's right. We are back down here. We're doing a Freedom Hunters event this weekend. And uh, I'm glad to have you back on the podcast, Mike. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad you were able to come down and bring some guests with us. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how this goes on. What's the scouting report for hogs in, in Louisiana right now? Well, this year, they're kind of slim. Uh, we had Hurricane Ida that came through and you know, we've had two major storms in the last year, more or less, year and a half, and it's kind of washed the hogs to higher ground. What does that do when that then that storm surge comes in? Why is that, why they move to higher ground? Uh, so they don't have to swim. <laughs> <laughs> but two things will survive in a hurricane. I am convinced of this 100%. Cockroaches and wild hogs. Yeah. they uh, When they survive Katrina... That was just unreal. There were that many hogs right after that surge came through, and it'll be the same. These hogs will—they're on high ground now, but they'll disperse back into the marsh. Yeah, and, and just, that's that's the key: is the marshes and the low ground is is where we're looking for these hogs. And when the storm surge comes in, then they got to find it, or they, like you said, they got to swim. Right. <laughs> oh man, well, I'm I'm glad to be back down here. We're gonna have. I think we're we're hunting in the morning and we're hunting Saturday and and uh but uh, we're gonna talk about bulldogs. Something we've never talked about on this podcast. Not in depth anyway. We haven't really talked about it. And I I contacted you a couple of weeks ago and I was looking for somebody that could come on the podcast and talk to you talk to us about bulldog <clears throat> Bulldogs and catch dogs and things like that. And uh, as I rode around with you today and got thinking about the last week, I thought, well, I probably ought to just interview Mike about bulldogs. Well, they've been away alive for us for 40 years or so. Well, we've even had them as kids. So, yeah, you know, they've been around. Uh, they've really helped a lot of the, you know, the ranchers that used to run livestock free range you know just rounding up hogs cows whatever if they had a bad bull that needed catching they'd bring a bulldog in to catch them and it uh you know it's just been a way of life always having one around and we've used them ever since i've been hog hunting you know to catch you know the hogs you know because we always caught them alive tied them up and either marked them cut them or turned them loose, you know, back mm-hmm. back before there was a stigma of turning hogs loose, you know. Uh, or using bulldogs. Beg your pardon? Or using bulldogs. Right. You know, the stigma around bulldogs. Right, and, right. And we're talking about American pit bull terriers. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. But, yeah. 
you know, we also had just what people called an old country bulldog that was, you know, a mixed up dog, probably had, you know, a lot of American pit bull terrier in them, mm -hmm. could have been crossed with American bulldog, but people just called them bulldogs, you know, but for the most part, I've always used American pit bull terriers. Yeah. And, and so w with those American pit bulls, are your dogs registered? I've had a couple that were registered, but for the most part, no, they're just dogs we bred up specifically for hog hunting. Uh, we want certain traits in them. You know, we want really good-natured dogs with people and other dogs. Uh, you know, most people do prefer a ear dog, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but I guess that also depends on how bad you need a bulldog. <laughs> if you need one bad enough, you're not going to care where he catches as long as he catches. But, right. Well, let's let's uh, let's talk about let's break it down and talk about all parts of it because it's going to be. Uh, I want to talk to you about what you look for in bulldogs. I want to talk to you about what you you know need from a bulldog while you're hunting. Uh, you know, evaluating young young. As I watch you work with your with your bulldogs out here, you've got you got two out here that are under a year old right, right. now, and uh, just watching you mess with them you've been in this game a long time and and uh so let's just let's just start with what are some disqualifiers right now for a bulldog for for mike collie and hog hunting uh first off would be a mean dog or ill dog with people or other dogs yeah you know that's just something we can't tolerate you know they've got one job to do that's run and catch a hog mm -hmm. and you know I mean, I've I've seen dogs, bulldogs, had run in and catch another dog, and you know that's definitely what you don't want. You know, the hog will end up breaking and running, and you've got a dog fight on your hands. Right. You know, we can't have that. Have you ever seen a bulldog that when you're trying to get them off of a hog, they're aggressive towards people? Uh, no, not so much towards people, but yeah, some of them have been so hyped up. You know, you just have to get them out of the scene. You know, right away, mm -hmm. you know, get them off 20 yards, time off, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I did have a friend that had a bulldog, game-bred dog, and they pulled him off the hog he caught, and a guy walked in between him and the hog. Well, the bulldog grabbed him by the leg. Yeah. Had him down in a minute. The other guy couldn't get off the hog because it wasn't tied up yet. Right. So that guy had to get the dog off off his leg by himself. Wow. So, so yeah, something like that happens. But for the most part, most hog hunters don't need a dog that amped up, you know, yeah. that uh, game to the death, whatever. It's, uh, you know, they just like a calmer-natured dog. They've got to have enough grit to just run in and catch, but not where, you know, they don't really know what's going on. They're just so excited. Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to grab everything. Yeah. You know, that would be my main disqualification, you know, for a, a catch dog. Well, when you talk about – I think we ought to just go ahead and talk about it. We talked about not talking about it, and then we talked – now, now you've mentioned it too. But I think we just need to talk about it. When I think when most people hear um, pit bull and then they hear game bread, explain, explain what game bread – is that what that term means to people that use bulldogs well basic game bred 
are dogs that were bred to fight in the pit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's just a huge stigma about them. I'm, and I understand the reasoning for uh, the old-time bulldoggers to have that. They had to test their dogs some kind of way. But And I'm not putting a, a bad name on game-bred dogs. It's just not my cup of tea as far as, uh, you know, wanting one for a catch dog. I, I like a calmer dog. And that being said, there's plenty of people that use game-bred dogs that are calm, you know, after they catch the hog and yeah. all that. You know, you just got to go through the ones you like, uh, the traits you like, and when you talk about stigma, I mean, I can I can give a firsthand account of that. The first time that I came down here to hog hunt with you years ago, there was a stigma. I mean, I've not been around bulldogs. I've you know, uh, being from a place that doesn't have hog hunting and does not use a pit bull for the intent intended use, what they were bred for, you know, there was some reservation in my mind about being around them and, and things like that. And after being around these dogs that, that people commonly use to hunt with, I mean, I, I feel just as we'll talk about etiquette in a minute around a bulldog, but, but I don't feel any more threatened by a bulldog than I do a hound. Right. You know, after you're around them. If you know, if you've been around them, you've been experienced to them, and you're not being a, a knucklehead around them, you know, you can. Right. There's just certain things that you got to do because they're bulldogs. Right. And the biggest part is socialization. You mm -hmm. know, you got to get them around people when they're young, and, you know, you just can't ignore them and, you know, then expect them to act right or be like friendly type dogs. Uh, you can't keep them in a dark room, beat them with a rubber hose and feed them gunpowder and expect them to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's what most people uh, think that people with pit bulls do. And and I, I you drive around this country down here and drive to any hunter's house and they've got a bulldog there. Right. And it might be running loose. It might be, you know, interacting with other dogs. And so tell, tell, tell me how you socialize. What's your key to socializing these dogs? Well, it, even as young puppies, and we mostly raise our own now, you know, it's gotten really hard to find good bulldogs. You know, 20, 25 years ago, you could find them anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you could try two or three, whatever, till you found, you know, a dog you like that met your qualifications. And But the last, you know, I'd say 10 years, it's getting very hard to find, and so we started breeding our own you know and it's uh you know we breed for certain traits we like ear dogs you know mm -hmm. normally you breed an ear dog to ear dog 90 percent of the time you're going to get an ear dog you know we like good laid-back dogs athletic dogs and how big how big a dog do you like well i like a bigger size dog 70 to 80 pounds you know because we hunt out in the marsh there's no trees to hide behind and we like a dog that can just anchor a hog yeah and You've been out there, you know, if a hog wanted to charge and drag a dog over to you, he could get you. Yep. So we do like the bigger bull dogs. You're uh, not going to run away from him out no. there, I can tell you that. And, you know, we pretty much have used dogs that can do it all by themselves. You know, a lot of times we do turn two bulldogs loose. Your chances of success go way up. Uh, mm -hmm. 
you know, if one happened to miss or something like that, the other one's got him. But it's, uh, you know, just something we've grown up doing, you right, know. And right. to me, you know, if they've been properly socialized and all that, like you saw how I let my young bulldog pups, they run through the whole pack of other dogs playing yeah. and, yeah. you know, and all Old that. Oh, rhino. Yeah. So it's uh, – And Dagger is the other one. He was loose yesterday. Right. And we were out there in the dog lot, and he was just running – I looked over him at him at one time, and he was sitting over there with you know a cup between a couple plot hounds and and rolling and you know just interacting and it wasn't a big deal. He's just another dog on the right. place. And you know those two older pups that are running around that are about four months old, they go and eat out of his bowl, you know. <laughs> and I don't know what it is about pups. You know, you feed them their own feed, and they have to run over and try to steal the food from the older dogs, but. You know, Dagger doesn't care. He <laughs> he just wants company, you know. So. Yeah. yeah. And we talked about that earlier. It just seems like it's an instinctive thing in dogs that we're going to try to get all we can, when we can, and then we'll go back to eat our food too. Right. So, but, I mean, they're rolling around out here and different things. When that puppy – okay, you take a pup like Rhino. Mm-hmm. You know, you've said a few times that you really like the way he acts. You like, um, you know, things about him, but what is it about, what is he doing from your experienced eye that makes you look at that pup and say, I like what he's doing? Well, he, uh, you know, first of all, I like both his parents. I like the dad to him. I like the mama to him. They're both really good catch dogs. And, you know, bulldogs Basically, it's a lot easier to breed than, you know, to get certain traits mm-hmm. than, like, say, tree hounds or bear dogs where you've got a lot more. You know, you've got to have, for bear dogs, cold nose, speed, grit, you know, uh, staying at the tree a long time. You've got several different traits you've got to have. Well, basically, for bulldogs, really, you know, you want an ear dog and you want a good-natured dog and an athletic dog, mm-hmm. you know. And normally when you breed those together, that's what you get. Well, you just wrapped up the whole podcast, and we've only been recording for like 14 minutes. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) You know, it's almost my bedtime. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the thing of it is, um, but when you're looking at that pup, what do you expect? How old is Rhino? About four months, maybe four and a half months. At four months old, what do you expect him? What do you like to see out of a four-month-old pup? Uh. Well, you know, we work with him. You know, we've been walking him on a leash, teaching him to heel, sit, stay. He really likes that leash, too. Uh, I tell you what, he sees the leash he runs. but <laughs> <laughs> And I don't know why, because he loves to go for a walk, yeah. you know, but he just hates it. And I guess from the first time I tied him up, and you know how puppies are the first time they're tied, you know, I guess he, he remembers that. But uh, he's doing everything he's supposed to do. I don't expect him to go out and catch a hog at this age or anything right. like that. Uh but, like, when you play tug-of-war with him, mm-hmm. he's got the bite. He hangs on. Yeah, you he know? told me today, it's like, man, if you play, make sure your hand's back because he's going to – He's, he's going gonna... to grab that rag, you know, and, you know, and most bulldogs love that. Mm-hmm. You know, they love to play tug-of-war. Yeah. Well, as far as um, 
you know, him wrestling with other pups. You talk about socializing, you talk, talk about capping that, you know, that energy there when he's wrestling with other pups and stuff like that. When do you see stuff that's like, okay, that's okay. Uh, no, I better step in here and, and get a handle on this. Right. Yeah. If you see him, uh, showing any sign of aggression, yeah, you want to step in and, you know, stop it, you know, get it stopped early. Let let them know that's not acceptable. And, you know, I get them used uh, to riding with other dogs early. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'll put them in the side-by-side together so that they gr- grow up, you know, learning to ride with other dogs. And normally you don't have a problem. Once a bulldog learns his job, man, basically they just ignore the other dogs. They just can't wait till they hear the bay, you yeah. know, to walk in and get turned loose. Yeah. Uh, when the pups are out here, what do you consider that threshold of aggression? Because pups will get together and they'll be growling, and the, you know you'll have one pup that's, or a bigger dog might might roll a bulldog, and, right, and things like that. So so where is that threshold of aggression where you look and you're like, ah, oh, they're playing or they're right. Well, you know when they're real young, <clears throat> you know it's like I mentioned I. Was, you know, when Rhino and Dagger are playing, well, he's so much bigger, he just takes a paw and knocks Rhino down. And Rhino comes up wanting to fight, yeah. you know. Uh, even though he's a little puppy, it's bred in him. And But Dagger still, he'll just keep knocking him down, and that puppy will get mad. And, and, I mean, if it reaches a certain point, I'll just yell at him. They know what no means. Yeah. So, yeah. so you get a handle on him pretty early. Yes. And young. And when when we got our when we uh, backstory for people that might just be tuning in, I came home from Montana last year to an adopted pit bull in my house. You know, mm-hmm. and you were the first person I called. It's like, hey, you know, this is a small puppy. What do I need to be looking for? Because I've never raised one. Right. Uh, they intrigue me. They are. I absolutely love being around the bulldogs. I think they are warriors in the in the you know, the hunting world and they're, they're, they're just cool. I just like them. But, uh, I called you and I'm like, man, what do I need to be looking for? When, when is too much, too much? How, how, how much should a person intervene and stuff like, you know, intervene and how soon should they start intervening and stuff? Well, if you see them start showing aggression towards people or whatever. Yeah, you've got to stop, step in right off the bat, you know, and you've got to put a stop to it. Uh, What's the youngest age you've seen it? Uh, it's normally over a year old or something like that. As mm-hmm. they get older, some of them might be more territorial or whatever. But, you know, mo- most of the young uh, pits, you know, if they've been socialized, they love people. Yeah. I mean, they're like labs. They absolutely love to be around people. So, I don't think people get that, though. Well, we, They've been given such a bad rap on stuff. Right. You, you know, and here's the problem, too. If you got, like, say, any brindled dog of any breed running loose in the street, it's automatically labeled a pit bull. Mm-hmm. There are so many more different breeds of dogs that have bitten people, but they don't make the news because it might not be serious. But normally when a pit bull bites somebody, it's serious. Right. You know, it's going to make the news. At one time, the Golden Retriever was – AKC said that the Golden Retriever 
was the number one dog that bit people. Well, I can testify to that because one of my good buddies was a duck guy. Yeah. He used a golden retriever. He had to get rid of the dog because it bit two of his customers. <laughs> you know, and he actually bit one of them pretty bad. The guy was getting out of the boat on the dock, and the dog was up there, and the dog bit the guy in the face. Ooh. And a golden retriever should be a very docile dog. Right. You know it. So do you think on the – do you think it all boils down to the way they're raised? This is the old argument. It all comes back to the way they're raised, or is it more genetic, or is it a mixture of both? It's a mixture of both. You know, some of it's definitely genetic. Uh, but I would say probably, and this is just a guess, but 75% of it is socializing from a very young age. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, well, you can even add another fraction into it. A lot of them are made to be mean. Mm-hmm. So it's. Uh, so I go pick a. Say you've got a litter of puppies here. And Mike, I want a bulldog. And I come down and get it. I've never raised a bulldog before. Should I be putting that that pup in the truck with me and hauling it with me? And I, I do. Yeah. You know, it's. The more they're around different people, the more sights they see. You know, a lot of times you get a dog in strange surroundings, you know, they're uneasy, mm-hmm. you know. Just like I take my took a dog to the vet the other day. As soon as we went in the doors, he had the brakes on. Right. You know, I pretty well had to, you know, uh, drag him in there. That's why they put slick floors in yeah. vet clinics because dogs instinctively, you know, when they when they go in a new place, they, they lock up. Mm-hmm. And so you can still move them on a slick yeah. floor. And. You know, we've, we had the bulldogs in the house a lot. And even at a young age, you, you know, they're around the cats and all that, so they get used to them, you yeah. know. And so. Did, did the, uh, when you're taking them around people, do you take them to town? Do you take them, like when you, you, you work on a lot of different farms, how do, if, do you take your bulldog puppies with you when you go to work? Uh, I have before, but I, you know, I've got a good friend of mine and you know, him, Mike, the knife, mm-hmm. uh, he raises cows. Yeah. So we'll trade our dogs out, you know, and I let him raise those bulldogs around his cows and chickens. And, uh, so they get used to them. Part of socialization. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we don't have to worry too much about them. You know, some of the places we hunt, we hunt dairy farms and all that. Well, you can't have any dog baying the cows, this farmer's cows, or certainly not a bulldog running in to catch a cow, you know. (laughs) Exactly. That might run out the permission pretty quick. Right. And don't come back ever. Yes. Yeah. So, all right, so when you're breaking, when you you get this pup, what what age do you start working with them on, you know, checking to see what kind of bite they have? I I normally wait till they're about – eight months old or so, seven months old. We've done it earlier, you know, but we'll bring like a small show out and all and, you know, let the dog see it, see how he acts and, mm-hmm. you know. and Well, let's back up a little bit further, though. I mean, are you playing tug of war and things with that that puppy from a young age? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you're, when you're playing tug of war with them, what are the things you're – how are you getting that – how are you getting that? Or is it natural for them? Do they just yeah. come up and they just want to play tug of war with you? Oh yeah, it's natural. They, uh, 
they grab it and hang on, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, you'll shake the towel or rag or whatever, and that just, all their instincts kick in, you know, they're pulling back, they're, they're, they're locked on. and Do you let them win? Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We, we never put any puppy in a situation that's, you know, for him to lose. Yeah, yeah. Heath Hyatt mentioned that a couple of weeks ago with his with his police dogs. You know, he's got a he's got a Dutch Malinois cross, and uh, from a very young age, every fight he got into, you know, simulated fight type. Right. Thing, that dog won. Yeah. So now he's got all this confidence. Yeah. To go into this, and when I watch you with your bulldogs. You know, you make it fun. You make right. sure it's not a deal where it's like, oh, I'm going to test and see what his bite is, and I'm really going to try to get it away from him. You know, it's he's a baby, and and exactly, and you're trying to teach him that this is what I need you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right, let's let's talk about the ear dog thing and the you know different places. Right. Why you like that, and what what, what other style of dog is there? Well, there's dogs that catch on the legs. There's dogs that catch over the bridge of the nose or the front of the nose. And, you know, back when we we had open range and all, you know, you didn't want a hog catching on, I mean, a dog catching on the nose because he'd break the hog's nose and the hog was ruined, you know. And the ideal situation is dogs have a hog bait up. You walk in with your bulldog, you get close. You turn the ho- the dog loose. Dog runs in, catches hog by the ear. You throw the hog down, get the dogs off. The dogs aren't hurt. The hog's not hurt, you know, and you, you can mark it, cut it, whatever, and turn it back loose. So, you know, if you have, you know, back then, hogs were li- livestock. They were w- worth money. Yeah. So if you've got a dog that's, you know, basically uh, cutting your hogs up enough where you had to destroy them, you know, you're losing money. Sure. So, and same for leg dogs. You know, I've seen a lot of bulldogs that were just natural leg dogs. They'd go for the leg and uh, they'd break the leg on a hog. Yeah. Same scenario as a nose dog. And, you know, so probably I'd say 90% of the hog hunters out there like an ear dog. Mm-hmm. The one I've got is a natural leg dog. I can see it when... I'm wrestling with with uh, the other dogs in the yard. He'll get wound up and he'll start he'll start biting their legs. You know, mm-hmm. he'll come after their legs and and things like that when they're wrestling and and different stuff. And I can see where you know in the scenario, just if you've got a cow or if you've got a pig, a hog or whatever, and you start hamstringing them, right? You know, and destroying tendon and things like that. An ear is not that big a deal for in the old days. Right. Know, we can live with an ear being a little bit chewed on, but if they can't walk and we got to put them down, then we got a problem. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, so, all right. How do you start, how do you start your hog dogs as far as, uh, you started on it a minute ago. I kind of cut you off. I apologize. I wanted to get back to something else. Well, <clears throat> you know, we'll get like a shoulder or something. We're holding it by the back legs. We've got somebody else holding the bulldog. And basically, just by how the dog acts, you know, we can tell if he's ready or not. If he's really lunging, trying to get to him, we'll let him go ahead and catch, you know, the hog on the ear, and then we'll get him off right away. Mm-hmm. So, 
And pretty much from there, when they get old enough, we take them to the woods. How old? How old do you like your dogs to be? Do they, or is it an individual thing in each dog? Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter. Boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment. Dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors. Whew, they have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a garment and dog tour dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top-of-the-industry customer service. Whether you purchase from their website or you find them at a major coonhound event, Chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer. Chris Girth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds. He knows what gear you need to be successful. Look for Briar Creek Kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event. Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public generations of excellence. It is, uh, you know, I guess a lot of the experts will say wait till a year where their teeth set, but I've taken them as early as nine, ten months, you know, but I've tried to pick their hogs for them too, you know. And that wasn't necessarily the case on this young dog we took a week ago. We saw the hog running across the marsh, thought it was a smaller hog, 120, 150 pounds. <laughs> he bayed up. We, we brought that young bulldog in, Dagger. He ran in, caught it on the ear. That's a 250-pound boar with two-and-a-half-inch tusk. Yeah. You know, not the hog I would have picked for his first hog. Exactly. But well, you know, That was his first hog? That was his first hog in the wild, yes. Wow. And, I mean, he came through with flying colors. He did what he was bred to do, hmm. you know, and. And, uh, so and that, that hog was walking through water or through the mud. The yeah. Marsh. He, he, he was, the, the water was high in the marsh. So the hog looked a lot shorter than what it was, <laughs> you know, but yeah, we, we were really surprised. And then a little while later, we did bay up about 150 pound boar and he caught him same thing on the ear. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. So and you just find that they just naturally go for that. They just yeah. It's just genetic. It's genetic. You know, uh, I've had dogs that have never caught anywhere but on the year, and that's like that female honey I've got out there. Mm-hmm. She's been a stray deer dog, you know, since I've had her. That is just so amazing to me that 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 they know that it's genetically wired into them. That there's an ear. I'm going to catch it by the ear. Is it because it's sitting there flopping or? That might have a lot to Man, do with it. That is crazy. Because uh, when you think about like our plots and things like that, they don't care where they're going to catch. Well, some do. I've seen plots that were kind of natural ear dogs, and I've seen plots, really? plots that always work the back end. Hmm. You know, like on a bear, you'd prefer them to work the back end. No kidding. <laughs> you know, than, than the front end. But that's, uh, yeah. And, and it seems like most of the plots I've got out there now are, you know, ear dogs. They work the head. Do you think, do you think that's a, do you think the courage has anything to do with that? Because they don't want to be on the business end. I mean, they're not, they're not dumb, whether bulldog or, or plot, either one. Well, I mean, it normally takes a, a, a gritty dog, uh, like, like a plot, for instance, to engage in a hog, mm-hmm. you know, to make contact. There's a lot of dogs that are good bay dogs, but they'll never put their tooth on a hog. Yeah. You know, they'll just stand back and bay. 
Yeah, the, I haven't seen those here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. Even so. the two that I, even the two that I that you you know I got from you and brought back here to hog hunt last year, I was amazed with the way that they just naturally caught hogs. I mean, if it was if it was stopped, they were piling on it. Yeah. And uh, um, all right, so. What are we missing? What other what are, what other things are key to you know? Guys, listen to this. He's like, man, I need to get a bulldog, and and I I know plenty of people that younger guys come into this and didn't grow up, but they want a bulldog. What do you tell them to look for? Uh, well, basically, just get one out of hunting lines. You know, your hard hunters have good dogs. You know, that's why they've got good dogs. That's right. Uh, you know. I mean, if they were to ask me, I'd tell them, make sure they're obedience trained. You know, uh, you've seen the time I put into my dogs, and it's just like that dagger dog. He's going to be a big dog, you know, and I've got him loading up maybe too good. He'll jump any into anything now, uh, right. but he'll jump to the top of the side-by-side, no problem, on top of the dog box. He'll jump in my boat with the trailer on, and it's all from starting him early, teaching him to load up. Yeah. So, have you got any horror stories about adopted dogs and, you know, like, let's go to the pound, we need a bulldog? And uh, I've had, a, a, well, not horror stories, but I've had friends that have gone to the pound and adopted bulldogs. Some of them worked out, some of them haven't, you know. It's pretty natural for most bulldogs to want to catch. Mm-hmm. You know, you just got to find out where they're going to catch, you know, and just see if they'll work for you. One of the things that, that I picked up on real quick, and I think it happened the first time I came down here and hunted with you. We had a bulldog. What'd he do? That, oh, yeah, I remember that. He he ran in there and he caught, but then... or No, what? he went in there and bathed. I, oh, yeah. I had picked that bulldog up the day before, and I got the dog on, on trial. Guy told me he was a good catch dog. So you do have to be careful out there. Yeah. Well, we we went out. You know, the plots bait up. A, I mean, a big sow, probably two hundred and fifty pound sow. They had her backed up in a pipe or yep. something. Yeah, there was a bunch of and, some uh, kind of structure out yeah. there. Yeah. We turned this bulldog loose. He he ran right in there like he knew what he was doing. Stopped and started baying just as good as those plot dogs were. <laughs> <laughs> well, we chased the sow out of the. Uh, pipe and the plots called her right you know and i took the bulldog back that day yeah you talk about a confidence booster two guys coming down from indiana i brought jake with me and we're all coming in there to this hog bay and uh or no we get down here and it's like the first thing you said one of the first things you said hey we need to go pick up a bulldog yeah you know we all jumped in the truck and we drove somewhere and and You'd never seen this dog before, but I felt I figured out real quick how important that bulldog is to a hunt. I, do you think? Do you think your plots are good enough to operate without a bulldog? Well, I, I've had a couple of plots in the past that I could use for a straight catch dog. Really? Yeah. Let the other dogs bay up, and when you send them in. They were going to catch, mm-hmm. you know. Is there a difference in them? I mean, as far as – I don't even know how to word that, really. I mean, 
They were just straight catch dogs. They were straight catch, you know. One of them didn't live very long. uh, That was kind of where I was going. But here's the problem, you know, and I have a lot of people that say, oh, I want to shoot a hog. Well, first of all, most of the time you're in a a thicket, you Mm -hmm. know. Hogs like to be up in thick, cut over, or rose cane. And I never wanted to take a chance on somebody seeing a black dog shoot out and them shoot it by mistake for a hog. Right. And I've told them, I said, look, in thick cover, that bulldog's way more accurate than any gun you've got. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to run right in and catch the hog, and then we'll let you stick the hog or, you know. Yeah. You know, but we're going to catch the hog first. Yeah. And that was was my first time ever hog hunting, and to watch you go in there and – Plots caught, flipped the hog the whole nine yards. I was like, wow, this is amazing, you know. Um, what size dog do you like? I like a bigger dog, uh, anywhere, even 70 to 90 pounds, you know, but probably in the 70 to 80 pound range is what I favor the most. Mm-hmm. They're just at that right weight where they're still still really, really uh, athletic, and a lot of them are pretty fast for big, big dogs, so. One of the fastest bulldog I ever, ever had was probably a seventy-five pound dog. Yeah, and sometimes if the hog would break in a cutover, he could run him down and catch him. Normally within two hundred yards, he was that fast. He he could run with the plots if the hog broke. Yeah, but he uh, he'd be ahead of the plots. You know, I mean, he was fast. So it's uh, but on the bad side, that's what got him killed. You know, you can't have a bulldog running loose. Uh, I mean, people do run with running catch dogs. Mm-hmm. But uh, they ended up catching this big boar. They were half a mile in by the time we got there. I mean, the dog was so cut up, and he didn't even make it to the vet, you know. so Yeah, yeah. You know, that will get a, a dog killed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you've seen this. The plots catch the majority of the hogs out there. You know, if we hear them baying, we know it's a big hog. Right. And that's when you want the bulldog. So, the heavy hitter. <laughs> that's right. So, that's that's my thing, you know. That's what I was talking about. You know, you, you get those plots a lot of times they'll they'll catch, but they're not going to catch them all. And the, to watch that bulldog go in there, I mean, no fear, no hesitation, and hit that hit those hogs is – that is got that's got to earn respect in its own right, you know, that he does that job like that. That, yeah, and, and we've had a cross of bulldogs down here. I've got a good buddy of mine in Florida, and he's got the dagger bloodline of uh weight pulling pit bulls, yeah. And I've had really good luck taking my females down there to breed to his dogs, and they just make really good, calm, excellent catch dogs, so. It, because they're a little they're a little lower geared, you know. They're yeah, not quite that as might hot. be it. Yeah. yeah, you know. Uh, so, I mean, you've got to have a dog grit with enough grit to, you know, they're, they're laying their life on the line. Yeah, I've always uh, kind of attributed them to uh, the Indians. You know, right before they'd go into battle, that pray and say, oh, this is a good day to die. Right. Well, to me, that's what the bulldogs are doing. Man, they do, and they, they do it without any 
without any hesitation and they do it with gusto and I, I just think it's a whole part of our American culture and definitely part of this part of Louisiana culture is is very very much involves the bulldog. Well, you know, all the states in the south, you know, that always ran livestock and all. I mean, they all use bulldogs. You know, they had a bad bull or something. They'd use bulldogs or cur dogs crossed with, uh, you know, bulldog or something like that if they really had a bad one to catch. So uh, they've, they've been around the south forever. What's the best what's, – what's your favorite dog you've ever had? How many, first of all, how many think you've had over the years? Mm, I don't know. Uh, let me see. I had Brownie, Billy, Red, Hammer, Hooch, Catch. Uh, I, I probably had about 12, maybe 15 over 40 years. Yeah. And so. which, which one's your favorite one? My my favorite was that red bulldog I had, uh, the the real fast one, mm-hmm. and you know just because he could run any hog down. We were actually out in a pasture. They had a hog coming eating with the cows, and uh, we eased him up over the hill where he could see that it was about a two hundred pound boar, and I mean the closest wood line was like three hundred yards away. Well, he had to run about 120 yards to get, and a lot of people don't think a hog is fast, but, man, they can sprint. Yeah. You know, they can hit probably 30 miles an hour easy. hmm Well, when the bulldog, as soon as I knew he, he saw the hog, uh, we turned him loose. Well, that hog saw him coming when he was about halfway there and took off, and it was a race to the tree line. But, but that bulldog ran him down and caught him. And... uh so that's uh that that I was probably one of my favorites. Yeah. You know, I just lost a, a good young dog here 2 years ago that I mean I I, lo- I really love the dog. That dog was so good-natured. All he wanted to do was play, you know, even when he was older. Uh but we got in a situation we couldn't get to him. He was down a 20-foot bluff, had the hog caught. I remember when that happened. And we had to go way around to find a way down. And by the time we got back to him, he still had the hog, but there was enough damage done. He had to be put down. Yeah. 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 You like males or females? Uh, You know, I prefer males just for the simple reason they don't come in heat. Mm-hmm. You know, but some of my female dogs are just as good as any male dog I've ever had. Yeah. So. As we were walking around the, you know, I've walked around the dog lot here the last couple of days. You know, you've pointed to some female, one female, and you said she's the grittiest dog on the place. Talking about your plots, yeah, trumpet, yeah, yeah. she's just like a bulldog, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can only turn her out by herself because she's got one other dog with her. She's going to catch, you know, and that's a big hog. Now, say that again. So you do what? Well. If I, I hunt trumpet, I hunt her by herself. You know, she'll bay a big hog okay. in, a, in a thicket by herself. Yeah. But if she's got w- just one other dog, she's going to catch it, you mm. know, and that, uh, she's been cut up a lot. Yeah. So. And she's not, she's not a big dog. No, she's, no. you know, in, in running shape, she's about a 40 pound exactly. dog, you know. Exactly. So, so not, 
I, the only reason I brought Trump it up was because, you know, I think we are still – these female these females can get it done. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I've never hunted with honey, but you said she's a good – she's oh, a She's nice. good. Yeah. We'll take her tomorrow. You'll be impressed. Yeah. I can't wait. Can't wait to watch her go. We didn't hunt her last year. What dog were we hunting? I took Deacon. her. Okay, yeah, Deacon. Yeah. Took Deacon. And then she was in the she was in the kennel, and we never did take her last year. Right. I don't remember if she was in heat or I forget what she told me. Well, Deacon was young and he needed needed the work. Yeah. So yeah. we were taking him. Yeah. Well, what we miss, Mike, about pit bulls, about bulldogs. Uh, I I don't really know. You know, I mean, people use them for different reasons. Uh. Mostly for pets, I'd say nowadays. But you know, all your, just about all your hog hunters, mm-hmm. you know, they'll use pit bulls. Some of them use dogos, uh, but some form of, you know, bully breed for a catch dog. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever have you ever messed with any bull terriers or anything like that? No, I, I never had any experience with them. Yeah, yeah. You know, as far as the, I I just. My observation with these dogs is they're extremely intelligent dogs. They're a terrier, um, and they, they're extremely powerful, but they're also extremely intelligent. You know, yeah. the one that we've got, um, I was telling you earlier, you know, we, we didn't have to housebreak him. Um, he was really easy to train, uh, really eager to please, and, and he – they're not the boogeyman that that you see on the news or you hear about on the news. Right. Most of them have so much play in them. I mean, they do just want to play and You know, I've noticed that about a lot of working dogs. If you don't give them a job, right. They're going to find a job. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not going to be a job you like, you know. <laughs> and uh, an example of that is we we had a border collie. My wife had a border collie. And I said, man, that dog needs to be on the farm, you know, or mom and dad's farm where he can where he can work. And she wanted to keep him at the house, and we weren't living on the farm at that time. And he just got bored inside that inside that fenced-in yard and started eating the siding off the house. And, yeah. You know, so dogs got to – a working dog's got to have a job, and, and these dogs definitely need jobs. Right. Yep. Yep. But, I mean, they make good yard dogs. They're not as high energy as border collies. No, no. You know, or bird dogs or something like that. But, yeah, they will find something to get into, though. (laughs) uh, And they they just love to play. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll tell you what, we get an early morning, and it seems like we always do these in the evenings. Yeah. At least we didn't do it after we hunted this time. We were both ready to fall asleep. Yeah. But uh, all right, Mike. Well, we'll go see if we can catch a hog tomorrow. And that will do it for this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. Make sure you're liking this podcast over on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Facebook at Houndsman XP Podcast Group or the Houndsman XP Podcast, either site. Check us out on Instagram, Houndsman underscore XP underscore podcast. Make sure you check out Dogs Are Treed. They've got the highest quality gear in the industry. Use our promo code HXP20% off at checkout 
for the highest quality leashes, tie-outs, paws are protected, and dogs are hydrated. Dogsartree.com. Also, check out Rough Cut Company. Rough Cut Company is taking high-quality digital images, uploaded directly to their website, then laser engraving that onto native hardwoods. Great stuff, beautiful pieces, and you'll be amazed at the detail that you get back on your memory that you will be proud to display in your home. They make great gifts. Check out Rough Cut Company at roughcutcompany.com and at checkout. Enter the promo code HXP10% off for 10% off of your order. Also, join us over on Patreon and we'll give you deep discounts on these and other great brands. Till next time, folks, you follow your hounds and I'll follow mine.